0: Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for
1: women, and beer makes everything better. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. We're the Drunk Guys. And uh, this week we're reading No Country for Old Men by Cormac McCarthy. Starting with this beer that Nate brought called Macho Muchacho by Bluepoint. And
0: it is a Mexican-style lager brewed with agave, lime, and salt.
1: So what is a Mexican-style lager? Does that mean it's coming here to take the other lagers' jobs? Well, it means we clearly need to build a wall.
0: <laughs> whatever, whatever it does, we've got to build a wall first.
1: Yes. So Mexican salt lager, I think they mean Corona kind of beer. So, I was guessing.
0: But this is, it, it has with the,
1: the agave, lime, and salt. Makes agave it different. Agave definitely hammers down the Mexican theme, since that's the main ingredient. And, all and of the that lime drink. salt, you know. Mm-hmm. You kind of dig it. Yeah. It's like they combined the lime in the bottle of Corona with the mm-hmm. tequila licking salt off of your hands <laughs> thing into a drink. It doesn't taste super... Beery, I guess. But I like it. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, the lime is really nice. It kind of has a refreshing quality. Good summer kind of beer. Hot weather mm-hmm. day. So, Cormac McCarthy's No Country for Old Men takes place in 1980 around the Texas-Mexico border. Hence, Mucho macho. With lots of
0: macho Mexican dudes. Lots of people who think they're macho. Yeah. And a bunch of Mexican dudes.
1: And some, some who are both. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So the book follows the story, sort of, of Llewellyn Moss, uh, a 30-something-year-old Texan guy, welder, mm-hmm. who stumbles across a drug deal gone bad in the desert, finds a whole bunch of dead guys and a bunch of heroin and a satchel with $2.4 million in it. And he takes that and he leaves. But one He guy takes is, the money. He takes the money. He the drugs. Did, the heroin is not for him. And he sees that there's one guy who's alive there. And that guy is uh, a Mexican guy. He's not speaking English, but he's begging for water. And he's like, I ain't got no water. He just leaves. But then that night, he feels tremendous guilt, and he goes back with water for the guy, and the guy's been shot now. again. The guy was already, like, mortally wounded, probably, mm-hmm. but the guy's been shot in the head. So he comes with the water and he's like, oh, fuck. And then he sees on the ridge a truck. Where, where Llewellyn Moss, where he uh, parked his truck to get out there,
0: yeah. he sees a bunch of other people in another truck.
1: Yep, and they're chasing him down because they are very interested in what's inside of that truck. Maybe some of this stuff. <laughs> Jimmy couldn't be here with us this week. So, uh, But he did bring beers, and then he had to leave last minute. And we're like, well, we can't not drink those. <laughs> yep, so Jimmy brought this. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Sarah. This one's for you. This is from uh, Lagunitas. It's called Brown Sugar Sugar Ale. It's a sweet release. Oh, my God. It's 10% alcohol. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. Because the heroin is brown. Typical Jimmy connection there. Uh, so clearly the other people related to this drug deal, one, one side or another, have come to figure out what happened, and they know they the money. They came looking for their money. Or their heroin, for I their guess. Because yep. the heroin's also gone out of the truck. Uh, Lou Allen's like, oh, fuck, I have that money. But it's not even on him. But they kind of suspect he has it or has something to do with it. And then there's a long chase scene, which is, you know, mm-hmm. fine. So one thing I read about this book is that
0: Cormac McCarthy originally, originally wrote it as a screenplay. Hmm. Uh, he wrote it as a screenplay and then later turned it into a novel. But he—that that is not the screenplay that was made into the movie. Right, the Coen brothers made it movie. Yeah, because the Coen brothers, I think they won an Oscar for their screenplay. So they won this director, too. Yeah, I, I think so. And Cormac McCarthy was not credited as a writer on the screenplay. So hmm. I assume they didn't use that.
1: Interesting. I did not uh, i did not know that about the, the book. Uh, he has written some other screenplays, so that's not a huge shock. So Llewellyn is chased by these guys, and they shoot him, sort of, like hit him in the arm or something with, like, buckshot. Yeah. But he escapes eventually because he's pretty badass. And then he... You find out later that he was in he was in Vietnam and he was a sniper.
0: And he was like a very, you know, pretty, you know, well-trained, good soldier. So that's why he kind of like knows what he's doing. And that's why he's kind of a macho muchacho. <laughs>
1: yeah, that is also true. So then uh, he goes home. And so then throughout the book, it's kind of cut back and forth between like three plot lines. Mm-hmm. Two that seem to have a lot to do with the, well, they all have something to do with each other. But one is Llewellyn's plot. The another one is the sheriff, yeah, Sheriff oh. Bell. Bell yeah. who is an old. Well, he's the old man of the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a uh, I guess he's in his sixties. He's been the sheriff of this town for forty years or something like that. of This little county that you know whether you elect a sheriff kind of mm-hmm. thing. And he's a you know old old timer. And uh, he's every chapter starts with him sort of. It's almost like he's at, at the end, he's
0: telling it, or it's like he's almost like writing in a journal, except he isn't. It's almost, But it's almost like a journal entry of what the sheriff is thinking after the whole plot is over. And
1: he's just talking about how, and a lot of it is, I don't know what this world is coming to. Right, you the know? violence is different than it was in my day, and people used to be like this and be decent, and now it's not. And then mm-hmm. there's flashbacks and shit. And then the third thread is the guy who's looking for the money. Who's a yep. hitman, I guess. And a real macho machacho. <laughs> and he's For sure. Anton Chigger, right? Chigger? Because it yep. rhymes with sugar, because the guy says it at one point in the book, mm-hmm. who is uh, Javier Bardem in the film. Yep. And he is a ruthless homicidal fucking maniac. One of the,
0: one of the quotes from uh, Bill, right in the very, this is like page one. Yep, it's like the end of page one. Somewhere out there is a true and living prophet of destruction, and I don't want to confront him. That's like what he's saying right in the beginning. And what do you say to a man by his own admission has no soul? And that's sort of like what sets up the book, and that's
1: all about Chigger,
0: who's a real, real crazy person.
1: Well, the first scene when you see him, he's been arrested for something. And he's handcuffed in a local towny little jail, or mm-hmm. but he's not office. even in a cell. He's just like in the sheriff's office, and he slips his hands underneath his legs, and he chokes the sheriff to death, or the deputy with with, the with handcuffs. his handcuffs. Yeah. And then he takes the keys and he takes the cop's car and he leaves, pulls over someone, kills that guy, and takes his car. Also, a really distinctive uh,
0: uh, part, if you, especially if you've ever seen the movie, is that he uses a this thing using that you use to kill cattle. Like in there's a slaughterhouse, a for it, there is the a name one. for it, and I can't remember. But basically, it's a pressurized—you get a pressurized air tank, and then a little—not not exactly a hammer at the end, but it's just like a spike that just when you press the button, it it just drives it into the the cattle's the the bull's or the cow's brain, kills it instantly,
1: and then retracts back really fast. It's a captive bolt pistol. There you go. That's what it is. Yeah, and it, it's like a two and a half inch. Picture like the deadbolt on a lock, on a door, basically. Yeah. It just shoots that out. Um, and, and that's what they use in slaughterhouses. And he's just carrying this around like this oxygen mm-hmm. tank and, ho- and hold still. And he puts his hand yeah. against people's head and they just like, what? And then he what shoots he in does, the head. Uh, you know, when the ferry,
0: this is the very first time he uses it, he walks up to a guy. You know, he's pretending to be a police officer. He says, please step, up, step out of the car. The Guy steps out of the car, just a random dude, and he goes, oh, could you hold, hold still for a second? And he holds the bolt. Up to his head and presses the button and and kills him just on yep. the spot, and that's his second murder, and we're in, only about
1: months. yeah only about ten pages into the book, and he's completely remorseless and just he he is unrelenting in his pursuit of of the money and um, Llewellyn then kind of goes back to his wife who's like nineteen or something, mm-hmm. and he. Tells her, like, we got to go because he realizes now they're never going to stop looking for him because they've probably seen the uh, inspection on his car or whatever, the yeah. registration on his car. They'll figure out Yeah, they find where who he, he lives. Is. So we have to just run and never come back. And, like, God, do I tell my brother who lives in California to look out? Are they going to come for him? Or are they going to, mm-hmm. you know, he, he realizes he's kind of fucked himself hugely by going back to help that guy. Yep. <laughs> and he says, when he goes out in the middle of the night with the water, she's like, Where are you going? He says, To go to do something stupid.
0: Yeah. And, if, I, if, I, if I don't come back, tell my mother I love her. Your mother's dead. All right, I'll tell her.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of pithy dialogue. Mm-hmm. No one says more, except with the exception of uh, Bell's reminiscences, everyone speaks in like one lines. One Very lines. laconic. Yes. But line. it's every single person being laconic. It gave you the impression that nobody had a a different personality. You know, like nobody spoke differently than anybody else, except for the Anton Chigger guy, because he would say some weird shit. Yeah, But everyone else is just like, well... I guess the difference is that Llewellyn was tough always, but everyone else would always—they always said that j- just less than they needed to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, is, uh, as a New Yorker, I found very aggravating. <laughs> like, Why don't you say seven hundred times more words than you need? So uh, then it's like the, your traditional kind of you know cat and mouse kind of plot, where mm-hmm. Chigger is chasing chasing after the money, and the other guy's trying to outsmart him, and you know lots of destruction and damage along the way because it turns out that that satchel of money has a tracking device in it. Yep, and sugar uh, is just coming after him to put one of these in his head. <laughs> it's called Hop Bullet. This is from Sierra Nevada. It is a double IPA, and he puts those in a bunch of people's heads. Or the Cattle Bullet. Yeah, that thing. I mean, I will say that is a creative thing to do yeah. in a book. I mean, it, he
0: that thing was kind of used a lot. I mean, the the Chigger also used it to open locks. Like he would just yeah. use it to like break break through the lock on a door. Like Shoot the whole cylinder out. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that's incredibly effective. Like You wonder, it's like, is that thing real? Yeah, it's probably real.
1: And they didn't even know what, it, what was happening at first. By the way, yeah. this beer is one of the most underwhelming double IPAs I've ever had. Um, I mean, it's okay. It's not bad. It's not it's a just, bad beer, yeah. but I, I, I hear what you're saying. It's, doesn't, it's not amazing, for sure. Yeah. Sierra, Sierra Nevada makes some good stuff, so this is kind of a bummer. Uh, but Chigar, they, they realize that Chigar is a... They don't even know that he's killing them with this thing at first. They think it's a bullet wound. And then they're doing autopsies on people, and there's no exit wound and no bullet in their head. Yeah. And then they figure it out, but they never even really confirm it. No. So then uh, you know, they chase each other, and uh, well, you know, Chigger chases Moss, Luella Moss. And the cop, Tommy Lee Jones, <laughs> what is his name? Ed Bell. Yeah. Tom Ed Bell. Right, his Ed name? Tom. Ed Tom, sorry. Yeah. He keeps, he's always like a day late, <laughs> and he's like, oh, this looks like, and, and he always has like something kind of like smart to say about it, Hmm. it looks like this is, a, this is some trouble I'm going to have to deal with. Well, I'm going to have to go tell his widow. Like, he always has a thing to say.
0: Yeah. Or it's like, oh, well, they're going back to the uh, the shootout site. Do you want to get... uh his secretary goes, they're going back to the shootout site. Do you want to go tomorrow? And he's like, are they still
1: dead? <laughs> then no, I'm not going. <laughs> right. So there's like this, these plots, you know, whatever, wind, mm-hmm. winding around each other. And then they introduce in the middle this other character, the, the other bounty hunter assassin guy. Yeah. I forgot his name because he wasn't in it for very long. Wells... That was uh, Woody Harrelson, right?
0: Yep. So, all right, we could get into a little bit more of of what's going on. So, um, Llewellyn he somehow he makes it to the border with Mexico. Oh, yeah. Here is what he does. He go he finds a hotel room. This is like on a town right on the border, and then he opens up the um, vent and then puts the satchel of money in there, and then hides it around the corner, and then leaves. And then when he, he leaves, he also buys a gun and makes himself a sawed-off shotgun just so he has a weapon. And then, I mean, he's, like, really creative and, and very, you know, knows, feels like he knows what he's doing. He's resourceful. Doing. Quite resourceful and tough, and he's, like, not going to give up, which is something that his wife says. It's Like, he's not going to give up for anything, which was true. That was a true statement, and that's going to be bad for her later. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so he comes back, and then he realizes that there are people in his room. And that there's somebody in his room. It's like, uh oh. And so he goes back to the front desk, and then he says, "Can I? I need to rent another room." Oh, show me the map. Let me see. Let me just, let me just do a different one. And He gets the one that's like right next, right next to it, or right, right across, or something like that. And then he's able to through the other room sneak out and uh, a sneak, sneak and get the satchel of money. Meanwhile, Chagur also figures out where where the money is. So he he goes in and ju- he goes into the first original hotel room and just kills. All the all three, like, Mexican dudes there waiting. Because the, Mexi- the Mexican, like, cartel drug dealer dudes were obviously waiting for Llewellyn. But Chigur just blows them all away. He uses the thing to, like, open... the uh, uses the cattle bolt thing to open the door. And then just comes in with his, like, weird-ass modified shotgun thing that's, like, almost silent. And then
1: kills all of them. He has, like, an aerosol can yeah. fused to the tip that it's... a. A weird, silent thing, but it shoots out a tremendous amount of... And he uses, like, the smallest, like, buckshot mm-hmm. to, like, really grainy little things so people will bleed faster or yeah. bleed more or something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sadistic. Yep. Uh, and then then they get into a shootout.
0: Yeah. And then there's a shootout, like, in, like, different people are just shooting each other in the middle of the street. Am I confusing two different events in the book? Um...
1: No, I'm pretty sure this is the scene because Llewellyn gets shot and like the because Chigger gets shot and then there's like the yeah. at the intersection like there's a car crash and then he, mm-hmm. a bunch of guys he shoots a bunch of dudes there. That's fucking. It's a, I mean, it's hard to tell because one like we've talked about this with other uh, Cormac McCarthy books when we did The Road and we did Blood Meridian. There's no fucking quotation marks. There's yeah. virtually no punctuation besides periods and the occasional question mark. The contractions don't have apostrophes. Yes, I don't wouldn't. There's no apostrophe. That's weird. And whenever there's a, whenever there's dialogue, there's usually only, there's I think in this, there's only ever two characters talking, mm-hmm. but you have to keep track Yeah,
0: because it's like... And you have to, I mean, you can tell that that's somebody saying something, but you do have to either keep track or sort of do a little detective work to figure out who it was that said that because it's not always totally clear until you go back and think about it.
1: No, there were several annoying. times reading it when I had to count lines because mm-hmm. sometimes people won't say anything. You'd be like, Yes. Are you sure? Pretty much. He kicked his boot. All right. Wait, now who's talking? Because mm-hmm. that was an action in the middle of it, and now I don't know who's talking. So it's a little, I, I found it a little frustrating and gimmicky, but I think I said that in the last ones too. I still feel that way. I don't know why this guy's too good for fucking grammar or it's mechanics, true. rather. Yeah. Uh, but the, during the scenes, it's hard to see because he says he a lot, right? And it's like, you mm-hmm. have to keep track Like who was the focus of this scene? Was this a scene about chigger was a scene about moss was a scene about bell and then that's the he and everyone else would be described but then the next section it could switch and there's no real clear indication besides it just at the beginning there's one new proper noun introduced and that is really a uh, little challenging at times mm-hmm. uh we need another beer obviously i don't know if we ever had this one before this is imposter by barrier brewing company i've seen it a lot i don't think i ever bought it it's a pilsner and uh, imposter because well a lot of people just fucking fake who they are. We're pouring some out for Jimmy. Hmm. Chris? is odd. It has a light it's kind of something. fruity flavor to it. Yeah. What kind of beer it kind of beer? Pilsner. It's a pilsner. Hmm. Okay, this is an interesting pilsner. It is a little fruitier than normal. They're usually kind of grassy to me. I get something fruity out of this. Yeah. It's okay. I'm still not convinced mm-hmm. that Pilsner's the way to go. Not my favorite thing. So then um there's a shootout, Jigger kills a whole bunch of fucking people. Llewellyn gets away. Uh, Bell is investigating the next day and he's trying to understand what the fuck happened because this is, this is the theme, the real theme, theme of the book is that crime and, and the way criminals work is so much more vicious and violent and wide different than his career as a lawman. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even, he's like overwhelmed. He doesn't even know how to deal with it.
0: Well, I mean, that, okay, that's, he doesn't emotionally know how to, how to deal with it. He actually does a pretty good job of oh yeah, investigating. Yeah. Like he knows in terms of like police work, how to deal with it. That's true. That's true. In a very, I mean, he has that. He has that. Uh, not look exactly because it's a something of the movie instead of the book. But he has that attitude, like eh, it's just another day out and you know being a sheriff, and uh, in some some sort of like funny sarcastic lines. But in his little the little uh, pre chapter parts, the, where his sort of what I think of as a journal, even though that's not really what it is. He's no trying sort of, He's he's reflecting on how crazy life is. That's where he's emotionally kind of
1: saying, "I don't know how to deal with this." That's yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, he does actually know how to do the cop part of the job, but mm-hmm. he's constantly saying, "Like this is not, this is not how it used to be." I mean, he's like a WW two yeah. veteran, and this is now a different world. And mm-hmm. there's kids with green hair and bones in their noses. <laughs> he says it like two or three yeah, times. That was line. So um, if you had told me
0: that there would be kids walking around with green hair and bones in their noses, I just wouldn't have believed you. Yeah. And if you told me. Those would be, like, if you told people those would be their kids,
1: you really wouldn't believe you. Hmm. So then they keep tracking each other down, and they go through a lot of the details. The uh, bounty hunter guy mentioned him. He has, he's in, like, two scenes. He's in two scenes. First, he gets the job. Then he
0: finds Llewellyn Moss really fast. And then Moss says, no, I don't want your help. I will be fine. I don't believe you. Um, please go away. It's like, all right, I can try and help you with that. He's like, no, go away. Then he calls uh, his wife and then a little while later, he tries to call Moss, but that's like right when Chigurh, I mean, tries to call Wells. Uh, yep. Yeah, tries to mm-hmm. call Wells and then, but that's right when Chigurh has caught up with Wells and is about to kill him. And so he does. And in the, the, in the movie, the scene is the phone rings and literally just after the, the you know, uh, Chigurh notices, oh, the phone rings. So he shoots Wells and then picks up the phone. Hello? Who is this? You know who this is. You have to come see me. It's like, no, it won't. And that's, uh, that's the fateful phone call where Chigurh says, if you bring me the money, I will let your wife live. Right. Not you.
1: Your that, fate's already sealed. Yeah,
0: your fate's sealed. That's just the way it's going to be. But I will let your wife live.
1: And Ma says, no, I'm not going to bring you the money. I'm going to win. And he's like, all right, see yourself. So throughout this whole thing, there's a couple of scenes and, and Well says this at, at one point too that Chigger lives by his own or Chigger. How, uh, did you do the audiobook or did you read it? I read it. So I do not watch say his the name. film. Did they say Chigger or Chicker? I still don't know because they say sh- at one point like in the it's book more like Chigger. At one point in the book, it rhymes with sugar. It rhymes with sugar, so but Chigger, it, sh- Chigger. I don't know. I don't know. How to yeah, say I don't it. really either. It's like a weird fucking name that apparently uh, people asked uh, Cormac McCarthy like, "Is that a Mexican name? Is that of this guy? Like, where'd that name come from? Mm-hmm. It's a strange name." And he's like, oh, "I just thought it sounded cool." <laughs> what he said, so it could be anything. Uh, but there's a scene, um, Wells says, this guy has his own code. Yeah. He has his own, like, crazy set his of rules. His own
0: set of rules, his
1: own morality. So once he promises something or whatever, then, like, that's it. Once he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And uh, the first scene where you really see that is with the, when he goes to the gas station, and the gas, and it's, it was kind of fucking ridiculous. Like, the yeah. gas attendant kind of makes small talk. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you're coming from over there parts.
0: Oh, I see. You're getting, are you getting up any, any rain up there by Dallas? And he goes, what? Because it's a stolen car. So right. first he was like, kind of pissed that he noticed where it's from. And then he just has this whole conversation where it just is like very aggressive. And then at the end, uh, Sugar takes a quarter out of his pocket and says, flips it. And he goes, tells the, this uh, uh, gas attendant guy, call it. It's like, Why? No, no, we ask them, what is the most you've ever lost on a coin toss? Right. Right? What's the most you've ever lost on a coin toss? And the attendant is like, I don't know what you mean. I couldn't say. No, but he's, like, he's like, and then he takes a coin out, flips it, and tells the attendant, call it. And he goes, why? What are we playing for? And he goes, everything.
1: Right. And the guy's like, a, he kind of tries to get out of yeah, it. He's like, I, I got to close up. What time do you close? Now? Now's not a time. Like, he's very um, cold and, uh, I can't think of the right word, but. Like emotionless throughout this whole thing. He mm. never actually gets angry. He never gets upset. upset. He just oh. kind of says these crazy things. And he goes, eh, now's not a time. Oh, well, uh, around dark normally, where do you live? And the guy pauses for a long time. He I live behind the store. How long have you lived here? And like, he asks him a shit ton of questions, and he calls and he does the coin toss. And eventually he calls it. And I forget if it's heads or tails, but whatever it is, the guy calls it, and he's right. And he's like, he gives him the coin. He's like, great, here you go. See you later. But don't, and he goes to put the coin in his pocket. He goes, oh, don't do that. Don't put that coin in your That's your lucky quarter. That's lucky, yeah. Then it, don't put it in your pocket, then you'll think it's like any other quarter. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, thanks, sir. Which is just, I mean, it was actually a really cool scene. To re, it was like a different kind of scene for sure. But that, that sets the stage for his calculating mm-hmm. you know, uh, morality, whatever it is. So then Wells tells us Llewellyn, Llewellyn's like, whatever. And then Llewellyn blows him off on of the phone. So you know that now it's in that guy's mind, he has to kill the wife. As well as Llewellyn, even though the wife hasn't done shit. Just because he said it. And then Llewellyn picks up a hitchhiker girl.
0: I mean, there are some other things that kind of...
1: Well, it's more like police work stuff. Yeah, it's more some, like Belle right. trying some, to catch
0: up. Mm-hmm. Police work stuff. Goes around. Belle drives all the way to, what is it, Odessa? To yes. speak to the wife. And then they leave and they talk more than once. Um, tries to convince... The police officer, Bell tries to convince Moss's wife that, you know, he's in a lot of trouble. He's not in trouble with me, but he's in trouble with some really bad people. You have to tell him, too. I don't know, whatever. It is. I, I can try and protect him. Or I can protect him. It's like, I promise. Yeah, well.
1: But she couldn't, she couldn't reach him. Yeah. She had no way. to could It's 1980. There's <laughs> no cell phones, and, and he's yeah. on the run. He's, you know, in these hotels paying cash to not be registered or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the peop- we do also meet the person who hired Wells at a certain point. Yeah. And this is another beer that has to do with drugs. Thanks, Jimmy. This is another one about the Heron. This is Get Up Off of That Brown, Golden Road Brewing Company. I don't see what it is. It contains wheat. That's, it's made in California. They just put that there for all the gluten-free buttholes. You're probably right, yeah. Made in La. Could be Louisiana. It's true. Those palm trees and shit in the background look like the back of the Hotel California album cover. <laughs> it does not? Yeah, you know, I really don't say. Five and a half percent alcohol says that. What eh, kind of beer? It's, it? it's a very, either like a very, very light brown ale. I mean, why are they calling it Get Up Off That Brown? It's okay.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's it's an ale. It's it, like, okay, has like,
1: it has a multi caramelly kind of flavor to it. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Just you know, it's fine. So then, uh, uh, Chigger, whatever Chigger, finds mm-hmm. the guy that hired Wells and kills that dude. Mm-hmm. And that's when you find out he shoots him with the uh, like the buckshot yeah. for hunting rabbits or whatever. He just, like blows his face off. Yeah, he and he up.
0: says, and while he's lying there bleeding, he goes, "Do you know why I used the smallest shot? It's because I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to break the window behind you mm-hmm. and hurt all the people on the street."
1: I'm just coming for you. Because he's got that crazy code. Yep. Because
0: that's just what he does.
1: But he also has no problem killing plenty of other people who did nothing wrong. You know, he kills like how many hotel clerks? That's true. And well, they got in his way. Random people on the street. Yeah, That's, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, but then that kind of highlights the hypocrisy of it all, right? It's just, you know, mm-hmm. you're in my way if I say you're in my way. You know, like there's plenty of other places where he doesn't kill people because yep. he doesn't feel like it at that moment. He just kind of, I feel like he just makes up a thing because mm-hmm. he's a fucking sociopath or I don't know yeah. what the right term is, but he's, he's a lunatic. There's the point where after
0: Shigeru is shot by Llewellyn and then he has to get all these medical supplies. So he literally blows up a car in front of a pharmacy where he does this thing. He like yeah. puts a wick in the gas tank. You're just like, but and this is just a random car parked in front of the pharmacy, opens the gas cap, puts in a little like uh, piece of cloth that's soaked in a little bit of gasoline and lights it, and then he walks into the pharmacy and just looks like he's browsing and just waits for the car to blow up. And then while everybody's freaking out about the car that just blew up, he goes behind a counter
1: and steals all the things he needs. Yeah. He's very, very uh, quick on his feet with things mm-hmm. to get his shit done. Um so Then I think the next important thing is Llewellyn picks up a hitchhiker who's like a teenage girl. Yeah. And uh they have a weird, there's like one scene really together. Yeah. Is that even in the movie? I uh it's uh, no, it is not
0: in the movie. This is definitely something that changed.
1: Um, he picks up the girl, so and... he picks
0: up the girl, and they have a like a really pretty long conversation for people who say so little. You know, they mm-hmm. have a pretty long conversation about. Luck. I mean, it's kind of about yeah luck, but it's also kind of like about destiny. It's like th- th- sort things. of like a line that comes back in the in the book for a couple of people is you know this is the path you're on. Every choice you've made brought you here. Like this is just what it is now. Yeah, that makes sense. That kind of. That kind of theme, and definitely. And They have a long conversation, and he like gives her some money and helps her out. And they like sit and they drink a beer. And then this was like really weird. I had to go back once I started the beginning of the next scene, and I realized what happened. Was like, no, no, like what the hell? I had to go back. I'm like, wait, did I did I miss something? Because you just see Bell. He's like, so goes it. The, sh- the point of view shifts shifts back to the police police guy to Bell, and he's just driving up. 'Cause apparently he's got he's gotten some word. He's just driving up and he's, and, and there and the other people there are telling him, Yep, two dead, man and a woman. Yep. Uh, and then he's like, Can I see them? Can I identify the body? Does he go down to the morgue? And he says, Yep, that's Moss. That's the well in Moss. Yep. And it was like Of all the places not to have a dramatic like shootout scene or a place where you're not gonna see what what happens to like basically the main character. Because yeah. he's really... Because Moss was basically the main M- character up to this maybe. point in the book. Well, we'll I want to say, because the book starts out with him, kind yeah. of. Okay.
1: Yeah, I, we'll talk, yeah. We can get back to this, actually, at the end, I think. Uh, so anyway, he, I, at this point in the book, I thought he was the main character. Me too. Me too. Right.
0: I thought he was the main character, and you don't see him die. You only see, like, oh, he's dead all of a sudden. Oh, because like, got, one page to the next, it's like, he's dead.
1: He got uh, shot in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of this beer. <laughs> no, I I, I I agree. That was the most ridiculous thing you killed off camera. This is an Imperial Milk Stout from the Gun Hill Brewing Company that is with blackberry puree, blackcurrant puree, plum puree, and chocolate. That sounds interesting. It's a lot of fruit. It is very dark. You do actually get a little bit of the fruit in there because it's hard to come over that dark, roasty malt in the chocolate flavors. Fruit flavors tend to be a little there's more some, dark There's some fruit uh, aroma. I taste chocolate more than anything else, really.
0: Uh, yeah, definitely chocolate, but there's something uh this but there's also tart the dark tart in flavor it, in there yeah. tart in the dark
1: <laughs> or shot in the tart <laughs> Shot in the dark
0: what <laughs> shot in the tart but nice. i wouldn't say it's as tart as i was afraid considering with blackberry puree and all the other things in black it. currant and all that currant yeah
1: i like this though this is the first Gunhill that i think i really really like a lot they're usually solid but this one's really good hmm. yeah it's, it's it's interesting
0: no there's some it is mostly chocolate
1: and there's a little bit of fruit okay the well, 10 and a half percenter too you don't really taste that no dangerous danger yeah but i agree it was like why are you killing the main character when i so first i I watched the movie long before i read the book because so the movie came out in like what 2006 or something like that 2007 7 and i watched the movie right when it came out on like dvd and i was like that's wait how did they just kill the main character in the middle of the movie and you don't yeah. even see it yeah. that was stupid and reading the book if I now once I got to the end of the movie I and thought about it for a while, I understood what was happening, I guess, or made made a decision about what I thought mm-hmm. I interested. And reading the book I had the same thing, like, oh, he just fucking died. It's just it. He's just gone, off camera. Mm-hmm. We come back and he's not even there anymore. And that was just fucking weird. And I wasn't even sure who killed him, whether it was Chigurh or them or the other Mexicans. Yeah, I'm not sure either. In the movie Okay, actually no, in the movie,
0: it is the other Mexicans. I
1: believe it's that in the book too. Yeah.
0: Although this uh, this part in the the movie they definitely kind of changed because instead of Llewellyn picking up a fifteen year old hitchhiker, he's just sort of like going back to his t- his hotel, and a woman is just like by the pool and sees him walking by, and he's in just random woman's like, "Hey, hello, hey, you want to come over here and have some beer?" And they sort of replay a little bit of the conversation, the same conversation that in the book Llewellyn had with the fifteen year old, but instead this is just a woman by the pool, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm not going to," and then. Immediately, right after that, you see, in the, this is in the movie, see Tommy Lee Jones in his police car. He's driving down the road, and you see some, like, you hear gunshots, and you see Mexican, uh, Mexicans in their, like, big-ass car, like, drive away. And, and instead of chasing the Mexicans, uh, you know, clearly drug dealers, instead of chasing them, Sheriff Bell goes over to the hotel, sees the woman dead by the pool, and
1: then sees the Wellen dead on the floor of this, like, uh, hotel room. The room, yeah the doors open mm-hmm. yeah yeah that was weird well we'll talk about whether or not it was weird I guess at the end mm-hmm. but then after that um there's not much more because chigger uh finds the money right the money's still in the duct mm-hmm. and he goes in there and he has the sensor and he figures out where it is yeah he takes that and then he goes to his the person who paid him to find it yeah and he's like this is this amount is missing I took out my amount for expenses here we go we'll talk about other work later or something like that he says yeah mm-hmm. which i don't think they ever follow up on that but no. it doesn't matter and then uh, Lee jones is like yeah i couldn't figure it out anything we you know for the last 40 years we've had zero unsolved homicides in this county and now we have a dozen in a week or whatever it is and he's just overwhelmed with the scope of the violence and the the destruction and then uh, the next thing is trigger and the wife right yeah i guess we should find a beer for that we should this one uh i <laughs> think jimmy also brought thanks jimmy Oh, that smells amazing. Oh, my goodness. This is from Oscar Blues. It's called Death by Coconut, which Jimmy brought <laughs> because <laughs> coconuts might grow in Mexico. <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> and there's a lot of death. Yeah, that's what I, was, I thought more so. It's an um, Irish-style stout or something like that, or porter, with coconut, I assume. It smells like a fucking almond joy, or a, a mounds, or whatever the fuck that one was with a with coconut in it. it. Smells so coconut. Smells amazing. Yeah, it's just coconut right in my mouth. It's been like a year since you made that joke. So you know, hey, you fine. know what? I'm sure you've recycled it when I wasn't around. It's fine. I don't judge you. It really tastes like coconut. Mm. This is this is good. Though the coconut is the best part. Yeah, everything else is kind of fine, but the coconut really makes it interesting.
0: The aftertaste you get so you get in the in the second half of the tasting you get the stout flavor, which. I mean, stout's kind of not my thing, but also coconut is just so damn good that it just isn't as good in comparison. It just isn't.
1: I, I agree. I think a coconut, well-done coconut stout would be one of my favorite kind of things. This is delicious. And uh, so Chigur finds the wife. or the wife, her, right. uh, her uh, mother dies, her grandmother who raised her dies, and now she's like 19 and a half and a widow and home, you know, without any family. Mm-hmm. And she comes home and she goes just sitting there in her room on the chair or something or on the edge of the bed or something. Yeah, she comes home from the funeral. Right. And he's like, hello, I've been waiting for you or something. She so says something, you know, terse. And mm-hmm. uh, he's like, I have to kill you now. And she's like, why? Yeah. I didn't fucking do anything. And, and we, he's
0: like, yes, you, you didn't do anything to me. No, no, nothing at all. Yeah, it's really. And, and, it's he,
1: just,
0: and he does the, like, he takes out a coin and he says, "Well, eventually."
1: Well, first she's like, "That's not fair. He's like, I don't decide these things. This is what it is. And she's like, no, you do decide. You're the one who's going to do it. He mm-hmm. said, well, here's the best I can do for you. And then he pulls out the coin. As if that makes it okay. Yeah. <laughs> and she calls wrong. Mm-hmm. Which This was another big distinction in the movie. Because in the movie, she, so in the, she calls wrong in the book. And he's like, yeah, this is just what it is. You didn't do anything wrong. Sorry. We're, I don't mean, think he said sorry, but you know, yeah. that attitude. Mm-hmm. And then he shoots her. And he leaves. But I think in the book, you never see him shoot. In the movie, rather, you never see him shoot her. She refuses to call. I think so too. She's like, no, you yeah. decide. I'm not picking. You decide. Yeah. And then the next thing is, you see him leaving the house, and he checks the bottom of his boots for blood, which is what yeah. he's well, doing. He well, whole... he sees he him wipe his wipe his boots. Like, uh, yeah. That's what he's been doing the whole movie. Mm-hmm. So you know what he decided. Which I did not get that the first time through the movie. I was like, well, how are they not showing any of the important deaths? Yeah. Uh, and then
0: immediately, as he's driving away from the crime scene, he
1: gets hit by a car. Yeah. <laughs> it's like like fuck, two yeah. blocks. And then he gets hit by a car. He has a serious compound fracture in his uh, arm. Like his bones sticking out of his shoulder, his fucking Mm -hmm. upper arm or something like that. And he gives some kids a hundred bucks or whatever. He's giving me your shirt. Yeah. And he... And I was never here. Yeah. And then he he walks away. And then they kind of don't say anything for a while. And that's... And then the movie ends basically with uh, Tommy Lee Jones reflecting. But then the book goes on for like
0: fucking 20 more pages. So long. Well, there's also the scene. There's like, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones goes to visit his uncle...
1: Oh, the yeah.
0: nighttime so, uh, The it's Sheriff Bell goes to visit his uncle, and then they reminisce about really old times. And then there's like twelve weird three cha- three
1: page chapters in a row of Bell reminiscing. Yeah, thinking about talking about a dream of his father and riding mm-hmm. a horse and his wife making him a cup of coffee and all this yeah. <laughs> shit that happens. And you're like, oh, does this matter anymore? Uh, and then it ends, and he's yep. like, he has a dream that his father. He meets his father, mm-hmm. and the father kind of walks away, and he's like, follows after his father or something like that, and that's how it ends.
0: So there are some. I, I looked up a little bit on the internet about what's the meaning of all well, this, and there's some there's some like additional like stuff that makes a little bit more sense. So first of all, the line "No Country for Old Men" is the first line in a poem by, Yeats. Yeats. How do you say his name? I think Yeats. William Butler Yeats. Yeats. I Yeats. So. I think. Uh, and that's the first, and the whole point of the poem is to, is reflecting on, like, getting old. Makes I sense. I didn't read the whole thing, but that's kind of, like, where it, where it comes from. And there's something about a fire, because it ends with the line, it ends, it ends with the line with the father's, so he's dreaming about his father, and his father had built a fire, and Bell is, like, going to follow after his father, or go find the fire. Mm-hmm. Which is a similar idea to the road They're carrying the fire. But anyway, I think there's some fire symbolism in the poem by Yeats. Yates. and that's also in there. Yeah, and that just goes on and on. And then Sheriff Bell, when he visits with his uncle, he tells this whole story about how back during World War II, when all of his other like soldier buddies they all die. Because he fucked up, but he got a, re- awarded for it. I mean, So the fuck up was like kind of weird because they were all just like sitting in a house. This is like a, during the Battle of the Bulge, I was assuming, though we didn't say that specifically. They're just in a house in France, and then their building gets hit by a shell. So like, and he said, he, I, I just, I was standing there, and then I woke up on the ground, unable to like, couldn't hear anything. And I looked around, I saw everybody else was dead and when I looked up, there were a whole bunch of German soldiers coming across the field, and so I picked up the machine gun that was lying there, and I killed all of them. Mm-hmm. But then he sort of, like, kills a bunch of the Germans and then just kind of runs away. But he doesn't, he's not, he either doesn't or he's not able to do anything to save or even try to really save all of the other Who well, could they weren't all actually dead. Yeah. Some of them were just, just mortally wounded. And he just runs away, and he eventually is, like, found in the woods two days later. And his commanding officer gives gives him a medal, but he feels terrible
1: about it. Well, the guy, the officer tells him, like, shut the fuck up and take this medal.
0: never tell anybody about that.
1: I don't know what that had to do with anything, honestly. I was trying to figure that out, too. You know,
0: it's sort of like, or here's a thought. Like, if the theme of the book, like, No Country for Old Men, is sort of the theme of that saying or that idea is that this country is just becoming awful, it's becoming terrible, it's just not a place for old people, because it's just too different than it used to be, and it's much... I want to say worse, you know, more sure. violent, more terrible than it used to be. But by telling that story, isn't he kind of saying? Isn't Cormac McCarthy also kind of saying things were also terrible when he was young? Right. Yeah. Is is you know the the feeling that, uh, oh things though this country is going straight to hell, like really no it was things were always terrible. They're well, just terrible for a different reason.
1: In the uh, in the flash in the like, the reminiscence scene with the uncle. They talk about the prospector or, you know, the pioneer parts of their family members. like,
0: his, like, grandfather or his great-grandfather.
1: Well, you would get tired, too, of seeing your children and women scalped and murdered and shit. Yeah. So there's always been destruction and awful shit. It's just different. And
0: his his uncle talks about how, was it their grandfather? You know, his grandfather was, like, killed by Indians just, like, on, on the porch of their house. Just they just came up and shot him for and I forget exactly if it was explained why, but anyway, he just kind died matter, right yeah. there, and that's the way things used to be in you know two counties over or whatever it is. They but were. I
1: think what Ed Tom or whatever they understood that type of violence. They don't understand this type of violence, right? That's okay. I mean, that's kind All of right. like that's like the standard thing, right? You like whenever old people say that kind of shit, like back in my day it was this, that, and the other, and you could always find parallels. But it's just that they didn't under they don't they're from a different time and they. They think about it differently. Like, well, that made sense in my world, and now this is not my world any longer. And so they get all mm-hmm. fucking weirded out. I mean, that's what I took out of it a little bit. Yeah, okay. But I didn't really think so much about the reminiscence scene until you brought it up. But I did think about the... Uh, last <laughs> <Black> beer. The <laughs> ending. And, uh, well, last beer, really, we really could have had this earlier, but... <laughs> last one we're pouring out for Jimmy. Oh, that is an interesting color. This is called Shotgun Sour. and It, it is by the Abomination Brewing Company. So it works on two levels because there's some abominable shit here. Sour Ale... With black currant, apricot, and peach, more black currant. That's that's the thing these days. Is there a different kind of currant than black currant? Is there yellow currant? I don't know. I've never. What is like a? I always what? thought currants were really small raisins. I, I thought they looked like disjointed blackberries. I don't know. I don't even. I, I've only ever seen them like on the label of a vodka bottle <laughs> or something. You know? Whoa! Oh my god! That is that is some tart shit. and it's tart like in the front of your mouth and the back. <laughs> Like, it's like two different types of funkiness going on there. Yeah, I like think the one in the back is more like a, a savory tartness. <laughs> There's like a body mm-hmm. to it, and the front just hits you with this shock of tartness. I don't get any apricot or peach. I get that. I get what I assume is black currant. I think I get some apricot, because those can be really tart.
0: Like I can I can kind of taste that, but peach? Not really. Or and I don't even really know what black currant is supposed to taste like. So apricot yeah, and, and peach really kind of taste the same to me.
1: They're pretty similar. Fruits. Yep. Beach. They're related. So at the end of the book, he just has the dream, and he's like, eh. and then I'm retiring, so that's it. And he has the, uh,
0: the scene where he like leaves the police station for the last time, and he goes to sit in his car for a second, and then he goes, what is that feeling I'm feeling? Oh, it's defeat.
1: That's the word he used.
0: Oh, I'm feeling defeat right now.
1: Because, and that's how he's leaving. Oh, he also talks, he, like, people don't believe him about the hitman like the unstoppable oh, yeah. hitman. I just think he's a
0: ghost, yeah.
1: And so he like gets a glimpse of this like future world from his perspective, and he has no idea how to deal with it, and he's just beaten. Mm-hmm. So really, he's the main character of the book, yeah. where we were hinting at earlier. You think it's Llewellyn, and then it's not, which fucking pissed me off in the movie. And in the book, just because I knew it was happening, I wasn't so upset about it. But I thought that was a fucking weird way to do things, to structure things. Definitely weird.
0: Because it really feels like it's Llewellyn at first, because... You know, you get the little intro uh, thoughts from Sheriff Bell, but then that's not any of the action happening. The first action you see is Llewellyn hunting and then finding the finding the shootout gone wrong and all the stuff with him. It's like the big first big chunk of the book.
1: I and mean, really, the sheriff is like a quarter of the book. Yeah. He's the start of every chapter, but it's like a page or two. Mm-hmm. And then there's the scenes of him having a cup of coffee, going like, hmm, I don't like the look of this. Let me look at those shell casings. I mean, that's what he does most of the book. Yeah. He's kind of like playing catch-up. And he never catches up. So the title makes sense once you mm-hmm. put it all together. But when I first saw the movie, I, I thought it was just like an action movie. Yeah. And I was really disappointed. I didn't think it was going to be something I had to, you know, think about and do a little an- analysis on. Mm-hmm. But actually, on the reading the book, this is the first time I've read it. I thought it pretty good. Yeah, you know the yeah, weakest of the McCarthy that. books I've read, which are the only the ones we've done on the show. Yeah, the, me too. But uh, I mean, I did still like it. I did too, and it's short and it's engrossing. You know, it's it's the mm-hmm. sort of thing where I'm like this is interesting. I'll keep reading. You know, even though I was a little tired at points, I just kind of you know let me read another couple pages of this, and I went through it really fast in about a day. I read this book, so I, I did I did enjoy it. Though I I do think I liked the Road and Blood Meridian more.
0: And the Blood Meridian is so much more like complex. And there's so much, like, little details. So many more little details about... That are clearly, like, symbolism. And then there's, like, all the history parts and all the... And so Blood Meridian is a much more, like, complex book. I mean, it must have been to write. That's what I mean.
1: <laughs> that's fair. And to read. Shit, man. Yeah, we, we argued about that a lot. And we did mm-hmm. it. You know, what the fuck is it And mean? still, what
0: is it? what does it mean? No, Who it the doesn't. fuck knows? No, no clue.
1: No, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about Blood Meridian when I read this. And I remember you said that Blood Meridian... I think you said it was too purposeful. Was that what you said? Like, the... It's to not have a message? Yeah. But what the fuck is the message? Whereas this the message I thought was kind of clear. Like well, I thought it was clear, but now I'm not sure actually. Mm-hmm. At first I thought it was about, you know, the different times and people getting left behind. But then when you brought up the scene with the uncle, maybe you think, well, maybe it's that they aren't actually different. It's just our perceptions of, our perceptions of them are different. But that's still at least one of two things. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Blood Meridian, you're like, is that the devil? Is that a demon? Is it about Sin like what is it? I, could be a million things. Mm-hmm. He's a pedophile, and there's ultra violence on every fucking page. And the American Native American experience I, that one was way more complicated. Yeah, I also thought that like Chigurh and the
0: judge are like a little bit similar in that they're both like kind of like geniuses at what they do. You know? It's something otherworldly about them. Yeah, in terms of like how good they are at. I mean, for the judge, he was, like, a genius at everything. Yep. Like, law. I mean, not only, like, just being, like, a total violent asshole, but also at, like, science and, and chemistry. And... and he was a lawyer. Or maybe he was just making that up. But, but he played I mean, the that, violin. That's and, a, yeah, you know. and, yeah, exactly. Whereas in Chigurh is, you know, he doesn't do all those many different crazy things. But he's just amazing at hunting people down and killing them. Yeah. Incredibly efficiently and without remorse and without, without emotions getting in his way. And he is really good at it, like ever. frighteningly, and you know, and that Bell calls him a ghost, and he kind of is. You know,
1: well, I saw. Uh, I was reading when they made the movie; they wanted to make like uh, Javier Bardem has that distinct fucking goofy haircut <laughs> that they wanted to make yeah. him look like someone who had been like dropped from outer space, like someone who's not hmm. a regular human. And he definitely didn't feel like it. No, uh, in the book that is as well. But you know, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. It was a short. I wouldn't say fun read because it's hor- horribly violent. Yep, and uh, every character you like is going to die, basically. But it is an interesting book and one worth reading. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go read some more Cormac McCarthy. I know Jimmy is always talking about him, so I guess I'll have to give it a shot to some of the other stuff. Yeah, me too. There's, uh, I just looked this up this morning. So the setting of uh,
0: this book, No Country for Old Men, is the same as the setting of what's called his border trilogy. I think it's I think like he lives in Texas, so that yeah, makes sense. I mean, I'm sure. Seeing as um, Blue Meridian takes place in kind of the same same, same, same place. Sure. Right. Anyway, so it's the same setting as the Border Trilogy, which I don't know. I can't remember what books are in there, but Is that the one it's with the, like All the Pretty Horses. Is that one of those? Uh, maybe. I don't know. It's another Jimmy book was here. Weird.
1: He would tell us. But anyway, that's uh, probably what I'm going to read next from him. I'll look for those uh, episodes in the future on the Drunk Eyes Book Club. Until then, tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkyesbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Drunk Guys BC or Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Guys Book Club. And we are now a member of the Hopped Up Network, a group of podcasters who podcast about beer. So if you're into that, check some of the other shows out. You'll probably enjoy them too. Or leave us a review wherever you are listening, please. Mm-hmm. Just round up to five stars or we'll relentlessly hunt you down. Yep. Follow <laughs> us on iTunes or Spotify or many
0: of the other podcasting apps. And until then, see you later.